Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. Hello and welcome to Been There, Done That on Joy 94.9 with Chris, Gordon and Phil. We're all here together again. And the Been There, Done That orchestra who are fading yes. off into the blue. Oh yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> They'll leave the Don't thing. let the door slam on you behind <laughs> the Our little program is about history, history in the making, history of times already gone and of gay icons and icons and their part in our lives. Even though they might have gone, they're the pioneers. Some of them have left great legacies. Some of them certainly have, Gordon. Thank mm, you, mm, yeah. Mm. We'll be talking about them, but uh, lots of people will be in our hearts on the 14th of February Aww. because it's... Commercialisation Day. <laughs> <laughs> the florist's bonanza. St. Valentine's Day. I know there's a a few of them around, but who was the one who actually set it all going and why, I wonder? Well, he was was very early, about 289, apparently. It was was Valentine's Day. 289 in the Common Era, it's called now, not AD. It's the Common Era. He was a a priest in the upcoming sort of um, church that was getting going at that time, and he was actually... Was he a do-gooder? Well, he was a bit of a do-gooder, but he was also... He was also murdered. He was killed for um, some unknown reason. I can't remember what it was, but that was the one that we sort of looked to. But there are actually nine Valentines in the early era. Of the, in the church? In the, well, in the church. They're not quite sure which one we're sort of celebrating, but they decided it would be the 14th of February, and that would be St. <laughs> Valentine's Day. In, in my travels during, uh, through Europe, you often go to these uh, big old churches and they've got holy relics in there. Mm. And they've got the toenail or they've got the foreskin or they've got you know, a bone from some minuscule part of the body. Mm. And mm. people are using that as the channel through which they uh, speak to God. Yeah, well, apparently St. Valentine's the, the bones or some relic is in one of the churches somewhere. Yeah, yeah, but I, it seems like these early churches decided that they needed one of their own. Oh, yeah, yeah. But there are so many. Some people worship anything. <laughs> oh, I'm going to see my foreskin god. <laughs> <laughs> He's not looking very well lately. No, no. It was part of the way that the church controlled everything. That was part of their control was to have these people that people had to pray to to make god, sure that things worked, cynic. you know. Yes, oh, Gordon, yes. really? Mm. That but it was right. It's true. It's what, what happened. It was the way they kept, kept control of the people. Is that's that why they're so upset now? Because they're losing they're control. They're losing control. That's right. Mm. Mm. What a shame. 
What a shame. And Phil, you were saying it's so commercial. It's not like Christmas or Easter. Oh, you it? need to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> you better don't drive your car on a on a road that's sort of leading sort of out of town a little bit on Wednesday afternoon because you have all these people selling flowers on the roadside. Yes, these makeshift florists for a day. Florists of for the course. ones that you forgot to buy for your beloved on yeah. the way home. You can stop and get a bunch. And, of And what's the representation there? Roses or well, is it the colour of the I rose? Just, I just think it's the flowers actually. Roses are red, violets are blue. blue. Blah, blah, rhyme, rhyme, something to do with you. (laughs) (laughs) It seems to be that the the roses are the big thing on Valentine's Day for people to give and the rose growers have a great time. But actually, most of the roses that are sold in Australia for Valentine's Day come from overseas. That's... Stop it. They do. I'm speechless. That'll be a change. I bet they don't come by boat. (laughs) (laughs) No, they're flown in from from other countries. It'd be places, probably not right now. Holland grows a lot of flowers in hothouses, even through the whole of the... For Europe. For for Europe and other... uh, America. They they Mm. sell sell a lot in America. But I believe that the the roses we're getting at the moment are from Kenya. Yes, so I've read a press Mm. report about that. Mm. Can you tell us about it? Kenya? No, not really right now. You know why they're so expensive? Why? Because if you're importing millions of roses to be flown out here, do you know how long it takes to put seat belts and trays up for all those roses? (laughs) It's labour intensive. As long as they don't put the seat back. Well, at at least though they're cutting the labour costs because they're growing them in a cheap country. And also that it would be money for the Kenyan farmers too, which it's mm. a pretty poor country when you consider what we put up with but here. But once again, it's like fair trade comes mm. into it. Mm. Coffee is cheaper at mm. the moment because slaves, one yeah. cent a day for wages, are picking the coffee. But the floral tributes, they become quite expensive too. It's it's not a, not a cheap day for um, for forgetfulness, but... The newspapers get in on the act as well and, and charge you to put a little uh, classified notice in there. You put a three-line, three I love you, darling, blah, 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 with well, a couple of hearts stuck on it, it costs you a fortune. It's mm. going to be interesting to see whether same-sex couples, in fact, uh, start to appear in those press notices. I think that they will, you know, because lately, I don't know whether you've noticed, but walking around town, you see young men holding hands. Well, that's good and to it's, see it's, again. It's, it's yeah. good. They're, they're, they're starting to hold hands again. But I'm thinking from the point of view that the newspapers are being as commercial as the rose sellers. Well, you know, that, we'll get you this. This uh, is a new market. Going back a few years, the Valentine's Day things in the, the, I think it was the sun in those days, there was something like about 10 pages of Valentine's adverts that must have made a mint from, mm. the, from the charging for the for the. Well, they don't sell cars anymore in the newspapers. Mm -hmm. The other avenue is breakfast television. Oh. Because they have a scrolling ticker tape down the bottom with really cheesy messages from, you know, Marge to Homer. Yeah. (laughs) And and how do they get sent in? SMS. All right. And it just comes up on the screen and it's probably free. Wow. Mm -hmm. What a good idea. But the only people going to be interested will be the ones you're writing about and the rest of us have to put up with it. (laughs) (laughs) Until you see somebody that you might know. Not likely. Not likely. No, and of course, you, your surnames are never mentioned in these little no, press they, things. That's true. Or on the Twitter feed or Harry SMS to Bill, feed. I'll love you forever. Yeah. Mate. You know. Mate. <laughs> so there'll be that. And there'll um, be lots of women will be putting them in for one another as well, which is lovely. It is, it is. I, look, I think, look, it's lovely to remember, but I always say that you shouldn't wait until Valentine's Day to tell someone you love them. 
you should tell them you love them all the time. Well, because if you small tell them, demonstrations are, are frequently uh, more effective than once a year, as because, you say. Because my motto is, I, I often say it on air when I'm on air, um, if you love someone, tell them because it will make you feel good and they'll feel wonderful. Well, my, my partner and I never did Valentine's Day because it was so bourgeois and <laughs> and just why would we? And it's it's all commercial and and if you love each other, it's not just on a day with a bunch of roses. No, that's no. exactly that's. He my didn't have an accent, oddly enough, or he didn't have that accent. No, <laughs> <laughs> but that's my opinion of it. Anyhow, you should you should love someone all the time. Well, so, if I may quote somebody, bar humbug. <gasps> oh, that's going to Christmas Carol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm now. Applying that to Valentine's Day. (laughs) So that's Valentine's Day, 14th of February. On the 17th and 18th of this month, the Saturday night into Sunday morning, is White Night Melbourne 2018. Can I do a Justin Thoreau and correct you? Mm -hmm. Caucasian night. (gasps) (laughs) Ku Klux Klan night. Well, no, it's it's. See, we can't say white anymore. Yes, we can. Well, we're not so hung up as the tin yes, tacks. It's nothing to do with the population. <laughs> it's to do with the colour of the lights. I think. Oh, can we have any other colour but white? <laughs> yeah, they, well, there's a lot uh, of colours. There's a secret I know about white. What's that? It's actually made up of all the colours put together. Re- re- yeah, the colours of the rainbow make white. Yes, that's 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 subtractive colour mixing, not your work with paint, mm. which is additive coloured mixing. Oh, I see. All right, yes. So what's going to be happening on White Night? Well, so many of the large public buildings are going to be washed with overlay colours. And they usually make them up to look like something that they're not. The way they do it, they put... put A plain-fronted building will suddenly turn into the Taj Mahal or something something like like that. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you must be pretty silly if you're going to swallow that one. I think they're... Oh, look, we're in India. I think that they'd call them light murials. <laughs> yes. Well, murals. I'll only go if they have light refreshments. <laughs> like cucumber sandwiches. That's right. Oh, right, yes. And, and watercress salad. And <laughs> is that when they use occasional furniture? Cause what, and what is it the rest of the time? <laughs> <laughs> but there's going to be 24-hour activity in the city over that night, mm. and it'll be interesting to see how many people oh. don't arrive because they're going to be freaked out. No, I don't think oh, they'll be can't freaked out. Oh, we can go out at they, night. There's usually, we there's, won't have many but, uh, federal la- or liberal politicians. But the, funny, oh. the funny part about that is that that's the Sudanese won't go out in because they're scared of getting belted up, and that's the that was in Sydney. Yeah, it's yeah, not the, happening here. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. So I there you go, Mr Dutton. On white night, if you go to... My favourite place I can't pronounce, Birurangma. Birurangma. That one. That one. You can go see our new train, Mock-Up. Can you? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sitting right. there high on a hill is a lonely goat herd. <laughs> no, it's not. It's supposed <laughs> to be a train. Oh. Well, it looked like a train. I would like to see this thing that they're bringing out from America. It's thousands and thousands of streamers that are suspended in the air somehow. And it looked absolutely fabulous in the paper this morning when I saw the photo. But, yeah. Yeah, well... Uh like at the Olympics, or there oh, was things yeah. there that we'll talk about talk a little later, later perhaps. What's happening because now? Because everybody's coming in with Panau. We're, we're being kicked out of the studio by this band. You're ah. enjoyed. Who was that going? Ah. That, was, that was you. I've been hit by a drummer. Not them. <laughs> Somebody hit you back of the head with a trombone. <laughs>
To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au. You're with Chris Gordon and Phil. Been there, done that on Joy 94.9. Indeed, turn us on. <sighs> oh, I have several things turn me on, yes. <laughs> Moving right along, if you wish to contact us, <laughs> you can email us at beanthere at joy.org.au and I, we'll read it. Good. Yeah. I, what turned me on was I saw something on the news last night which was absolutely beautiful. They were taking disabled people into the surf and giving them surfboard rides. Oh, yes. And I was crying. I, I just welled up and I thought that is absolutely beautiful for those people that were in wheelchairs and they got them onto surfboards and they had one boy sitting up on a surfboard and, and in a thing and it was just absolutely amazing. I saw that as well and it, it really was wonderful mm. to see their mm. excitement. The fact that they were free from gravity. Yeah, and you know, that, most of them had been always locked in their chair yeah. or in a bed or mm. whatever mm. and suddenly they were floating. Yeah, they were down at Ocean Grove. It's a new sensation. It's just, just wonderful. I, I got really teared up on that one i thought i just hope they explained to them before <laughs> what they were going to do because that may not have been excitement that could have been terror <laughs> oh no that was just the one girl was the girl was just screaming with excitement she just thought it was absolutely wonderful yeah. the, the big girl and, with the chair yeah. and she said i like to be tested i want to try things yes new. and i thought well good on you dude yeah, she, young lady it was just mm, beautiful just beautiful and i thought well no. good on the volunteers too which was the next thing they had to have about 400 volunteers to help them all mm. Mm, which was absolutely wonderful who would have ever imagined that uh, that was going to be in their lives? Well, we, we're going to talk about technology because they were they in technology. They were in chairs that were absolutely amazing. They were and great things that have developed in technology with 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 chairs for people like that that have disabilities. But then they could get out and put them on a surfboard. Well, let, let's just keep on this little diversion a little bit before we get back to to what Philip is going to tell us about. And robots now are moving out of the factories, building mm. cars or mm. whatever, mm. to actually assisting farmers in the paddocks. That's right. Uh, yes. They can. These robots apparently are being fitted out with loudspeakers that the farmer can activate whilst he's not there. And- to call the cows to come in for milking yep. or to be fed, to be led from one f- paddock, paddock to another. To another, to another bed, yeah. And this little four-wheel device goes along. With the farmer's voice screaming, come, come on, come on, come on. And the cows follow them. Not wishing to downplay your story, but when I was a youngster, my mum had a dairy farm. Did she? Oh. And at milking time, all you had to do was open the doors of the dairy and the cows just walked in. Yes. No robots needed. It's just mm. habit. Habit, mm. yes, yes. Okay. But they still had to be hooked up to the milking yeah, machine. The cows they, weren't that clever. The, the cows in this show, were they, they, they were used to the farmer's voice calling, come on, come on, come mm. on, and he put it onto the recording <laughs> and they, they just followed the, the robot. So shows that cows are a bit silly. <laughs> Mr. Jules Jules Byrne, who has a birthday this time of the year too. Born on the 8th of February, 1829. Yeah. Well, he was That's a, not even 200 years yeah, ago. But he was well ahead of his time with the way he... The he things wrote that he wrote stories, about submarines and God knows what. You mentioned a word earlier, imagine. Because he was writing fiction. And the sort of things, I mean, with 20,000 leagues under the sea, he had to imagine a submarine to take men down to that distance. Yeah. Mm. And I guess 20,000 is some kind of super huge number that you know, would seem impossible. Yes. It was science fiction. And it was but, written 200 years ago. But, but he, there have been people in modern cinema who have imagined things that are now coming to reality. 
Tablets. <laughs> we had tablets in nine, or computer tablets in 1969 in 2001, A Space Odyssey. But, but they weren't the commercially developed at that stage, were they? No, they were in Star Trek. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Jules Verne was, I mean, we're talking the early 1800s. Futurist. So to come out with a submarine, an aqualung, a television, and space travel in it, his imagination. Yeah. He, he wasn't like a Da Vinci or an Arthur C. Clarke suggesting these as practical outcomes of his thought. In what, 1863, he wrote a novel entitled Paris in the 20th Century, which described the, the life of a young man who lived in a world of glass skyscrapers, high-speed trains, gas-powered automobiles, calculators, and a worldwide communications network. Whoa. Now, what have we been doing for 200 years <laughs> if he had all those ideas then? We're just catching up with the boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's no, right. well, people have been filling in the gaps in between and making it possible. It's okay to have these ideas, but uh, you've got yeah. to have the technology to connect them together. But yeah. the, eventually but the brain develops to the point where they can start doing these things. You see, yeah. this is the but point. Back in, it, well, it's not just the brain. You've got to have the technology to match the imagination. A young man called Steve Jobs gave a speech or an interview back in the early 80s. This would be about the time the Macintosh was coming out. And it was groundbreaking because it used the graphical user interface, which we now take for granted. And he described the thing about the size of a book, maybe a bit thinner, and he was describing the iPad. Hmm. And what he didn't have was Wi-Fi. He didn't have a touch screen. He didn't have all these technologies that ultimately made the iPad what it is. But he had the idea and the concept in his head that somewhere down the track that he happen. wanted to achieve that. And it's just a matter of waiting for technology to match imagination. If you saw the Olympic Games opening, Pyeongchang, the, the technology that they used for that was absolutely amazing. It was mind-blowing what they were able to do. Yeah, but they're surrounded by technology They've, and uh, their NBN works. The, the, well, the Koreans are so clever with yeah. technology. This is but the point. someone who else is clever is our friend Mr. Elon Musk. Oh, yes. Took yes. off a bit of a while, didn't he? He, he took off. <laughs> when I was well, a kid, rock. Musk was a little pink lolly that you used to eat. A Musk stick. Wasn't a lifesaver because they got a hole. I know, but whenever you got a sore throat, you go to the beach and suck on a lifesaver. <laughs> anyway, Elon Musk, on a day when I was having trouble getting to joy with the trains, he sends his Tesla electric car <laughs> to Mars. <laughs> and that upset you that no end. bothered me greatly. I thought this you, you couldn't get a train, but he could send a car up into space. Yes, the imbalance was incredible. Yes, it was a demonstration flight of his yep. Falcon rocket, which is the largest rocket that we've launched since the Apollo missions. And I don't know how it compares to the Saturn V, but I've seen one of those close up and well, but, that was scary. But, the, but well, this the, was a big one sitting on the rocket pad, the launch pad. Huge. It was a bigger and I've got a bigger and, one than you. Well, on that subject, Channel 7, one of the ladies on the breakfast show, because they were waiting for the launch during mm. their show. And she said, that's the most phallic rocket I've ever seen. Yeah, because it had a big... The, it, the little side boosters. Well, you just had to bow to her expertise yes, on the subject. Yes, of course. <laughs> but, uh, but, but what has he done? What has Elon done? He's started... Well, he started a few companies. He started with PayPal, which was an online payment system, mm-hmm. and he sold that at its peak, which gave him a lot of cash to fulfill his dreams, basically. So he makes the Tesla electric cars in California. Well, actually, there's a lot of companies competing for space money at the moment. We've got um, his company, SpaceX, and a lot of other private companies who are making their living sending stuff to the space station and launching satellites and doing all the stuff that NASA used to do. And NASA's paying them good money to do it. 
So he's basically showing them that he's got a vehicle that can launch huge payloads into space and have reusable parts and make it affordable. Is this going to be part of um, the Trump's uh, plan to go back to the moon and start looking to mining the moon and all this sort of nonsense? Well, not mining so much as using the moon as an assembly base to get to Mars. So you start, Mm, you send all your raw materials to the moon and assemble them there. That would be part of um, Elon Musk's Musk's plan as well, I would think. It's not so much Trump's idea, the um, various... I think various people have been at him to make a pronouncement. Yeah, but his car, he was going to send into Mars orbit, but he missed. Yes. (laughs) Can't win them all. Uh, But yeah, but it's out there. It's uh, It's on its way to somewhere. And it's playing Space Oddity. And it'll be advertising Bonanza for him as well. And it had Don't Panic on the button <laughs> on the front <laughs> from our Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I wonder if anybody intercepts it and what, makes, what do they make of the dummies that are there? Oh, well, somebody said Trump should have gone on the set of the dummy. <laughs> You're listening to a Joycast from GLBTIQ community radio station Joy 94.9. Joy 94.9. With Phil, Gordon and Chris. That was a very interesting talk. We were talking about uh, technology before the the break, and because uh, technology has has been up in the at stratosphere as far as I'm concerned with the opening of the Olympics. Oh, the, it was absolutely amazing what they were doing with with technology there. You, the Koreans are just so clever at everything. Technology is technology. helping them present such a marvelous spectacle. Lights, lights. Even the the mere fact of the electric globe has been surpassed nowadays with how light is presented and represented. The fact that that circular deck that they Mm. marched out on became LCD. It was like a big screen TV and they were doing so much on that. Mm. But then the 12,000 drones that were flying around looking like, they looked like snowflakes falling because it was all over the thing. And all of a sudden they just went bang and there was the five Olympic rings in perfect circles. And you wondered how the hell did they do that? Well, of course what they did was they actually put them up there in that thing or on paper they devised that that's what was the start point then they just said scatter scatter and then they played it backwards so that in fact the scattering all went back into the rings as you say it was just amazing the way they did it and the the way they put the steps up that great big slope to get to the to where they had the cauldron to fire fire up those poor two those two women that had to run up all those steps it was a a pretty long run and they were they were puffed by the time they got there they were sort of looking at one another and thinking oh my god we made it but you've (laughs) got to be fit and healthy at the olympics no matter what the sport summer or winter your, your drones are really just a copy of how they used to do it in the good old days. Oh, were yeah. the good old where days? Where half of the crowd were given bits of cardboard <laughs> and told when to flip them over That's to make right. various yeah. objects. Like like some types like Kim Jong-un's big pageants where he makes them all change colours. But there, but there's a lot of gay guys and women at the at the gay game, well, at the games as well. You know, there's is, a yeah. lot. Of, we've got a lot of lot of gay uh, people representing Australia. Quite a quite a number. A seven, I think it is, isn't it? Well, overall, there's uh, 13 gay Olympians will be competing, including a few from Australia. And this is up from seven in the 2014 Winter Games Mm. in Sochi. But in contrast, in the Summer Olympics last year, 2016, there was 56 out Olympians. Mm. Mm. Now, it's 
freaky for some of these countries that don't like us to actually suddenly have all these gay people in their midst well, you get back and, to... and excelling at sports. How can this be? They're not supposed to be like that. But you go back to 2014 in Sochi and the one of the Americans that um, didn't make it to the final of a thing, when he, when he, or, or he, he didn't win the gold medal, but he won something and he, he had a rainbow glove on his hand. Yeah. And he lifted his rainbow glove. But another very interesting thing is that the Canadian um, contingent have got a, 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 a special place for um, gay athletes to go. Oh, from all countries? From all countries. They've got it. Everybody can just what wander along to this. a safe zone. Well, I don't, don't, don't think they need a safe zone, but it's, it's, a, it's a zone where they solidarity. can go. Solidarity. A solidarity zone, perhaps, wow. where they can go and mix and, and meet one another, which is a thing, you know. Well, for Australia, we've got Bell Brockhoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, snowboarding, and we've got also Barbara Uzersik, cross-country skiing. Mm-hmm. And these sports, they sound great. Snowboarding, oh, that's just going downhill on a board. No, it's not. Where is the skill in that? Oh, well, we didn't know ever, that. Ever seen the half pipe? Oh, oh hell. I love golly it. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, cross-country skiing is one thing, mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. that speed, and it's got to anticipate the the. the track ahead and all mm. the rest of it um there's ice cocky ugh. so sorry emilia anderson rumbold from uh sweden she is in, is in the ice hockey but there's people from us belgium austria netherlands switzerland czech republic canada and the us represented in the gay in the gay Contestants. That's right. Yes, there's, now, they're, they're for, we're, we're everywhere. We're everywhere. We're bigger I, than Rotary. I know, but they're also their countries that have snow. Oh yeah, is yeah. part of the ordinary climate. So it makes it a bit tough for us, I suppose. But we, we, most of our contestants live overseas, um, almost constantly chasing yeah. the snow. They come back uh, when the, the snow season is finished in the northern hemisphere. And they train here, but they 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 do things like jumps and things into water, so that they when they land they can do their spins and what have you. Yeah. And it just uh, yeah. Well, I I am so amazed at the aerials, mm. and also just looking at the what's happening to their bodies in the moguls. That's where they go down over these lumps over the and sort of. That's good for your knees. Your, your knees, the knees in that are basically the springs of your body because they're just going up and down and up and down. It's yeah. a, it, the, the force on your knees on that thing is very, very hard. But they build up their knees to be able to take it, I guess. I don't know what it's going to be like when they get a bit older when they might get arthritis or something oh. or other. And their spines as well are taking mm, a hell mm, of a bashing. The body is not meant to take that sort of bashing. Um, you know. It's not the first time, as we, we said, that, uh, in fact, gay people have been in the Olympics, 56 last year at the Summer Olympics. Mark Tewksbury, who is a Canadian, and he was possibly part of the group within the Canadian teams that is, has supported the, the gay athletes coming oh, yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he won the gold medal in the 100 metres backstroke i think it was i can't remember it was a swimming medal he won in the summer games way back when and um he came out after he'd won the medal but uh, there's very few people who come out before they go into the olympics and especially in the summer olympics like matthew mitchum did of course with the with the diving he was one of the first ones to come out and be gay when he's going there you know which which was good luck to matthew i thought he was wonderful doing that we've got in the american team gus kenworthy Mm. was on the ellen degeneres show and Ellen didn't want to say this herself, but basically 
she asked his opinion of having Mr. Pence as the head of the American team. And he said he was really disappointed. He chose his words very well. Yes. But, um, of course, Pence and our little orange duck friend are actively trying to undo a lot of the gay laws that have passed oh, in America. Oh, yes, mm. yes, that's right. Yes, they're trying and to, to have him representing the, the Olympic team with so many gay people on it. Yeah. He just saw that as a, a horrible mismatch. Oh yes, but the uh, but also you've got the political scene with Pence too. The way he just ignored the Korean uh, Kim Jong Un's. Well, sister. he was in an impossible place because his boss is an idiot and the other guy's an idiot. <laughs> and what could he do? <laughs> yeah, it's very difficult. But but the, all the political commentators I've been listening to have said that it was a stupid decision because he should have made an opportunity to at least acknowledge the fact that they are a country. You know, but. You don't. You can't put brains in monuments. Mm, no. Well, it's uh, intriguing that they're trying to use the avenue of sport to break down barriers. But we do that. But that happens in, all the time, Chris. It does. I mean, with our new immigrants here, mm. we use them in our sports. Well, I, there was there was one. Sorry, or they. Yeah, there was one uh, young lady who is was granted Australian citizenship somewhere, I think about last March or something rather. Mm. She and her partner, who is Indigenous, are the junior pairs dancers in the world. Wow. They're the world champion juniors, and they are competing in the open section of the... The first Indigenous... Skater. Skater or Winter Olympian in history. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And he's very, very <laughs> tall, and he's got this uh, Severin Skyer. I've watched them several times on uh, SBS on a Saturday afternoon. They do this skating show, and they are very, very good. They did. They competed just before uh, Sochi, uh, before Seoul, Pyeongchang. I better get it right. Yeah. And uh, they only came. They, I think they came about fifth because they made a couple of mistakes. But it was. It, they are only young. They're only still only juniors. They're junior mm. world champions. Mm. And where would our tennis? teams be without all our new immigrants our, our selected imports yes exactly <laughs> oh, Ash Barty. They, didn't, they didn't even need a 457 ash Barty's not an, an imported tennis player either she's she's indigenous she's from here you know they can't she we reckon we should put her in parliament she wouldn't have any chair had no no chance but, of a dual citizenship there and we just a quick shout out to young bernard tomic who's at home counting his money <laughs> <laughs> while we're speaking of sport <laughs> but his protege coming up, following him through the ranks now, is young Dominia. No, he's he's um he's Leighton Hewitt. Leighton Hewitt's protege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well 18... he's basically Leighton Hewitt yeah. minus thirty years <laughs> <laughs> when he was like, like when uh, Leighton was young. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but Leighton but, would run around like I know this is not Olympic or ice related. But Leighton would never let a ball pass him. He would chase it down like a dog. And mm. this kid does exactly the same. Mm. No, well, it's interesting that our AFL here in Melbourne uh, has so many nationalities within their ranks. And, well, in fact, we don't recognise the th- people who have been here. They're now second generation mm. children of migrants. And they're just part of the, the normal scenery. And that's how... Uh, it will roll out. Oh, this is where I, uh, where, when some of the migrant uh, people that come here from different nationalities, like the Sudanese, they're very tall boys. They would make great ruckmen if they would only get into the football. And becoming into getting into football, they become, you know, like superstars in Australia mm. in Australian rules football. And and it it would mean that the they're being accepted into the society quicker, you know, through sport. And sport is a great 
th- I, way of doing that. Are you saying it's preferable to buy a car than hijack one? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just a different concept. It's yeah. It's a more acceptable method of gaining an automobile to drive around town. Is it? Oh, right. It's much better to save up and buy one. Yeah, yeah. That's true too. And people aren't so scared of you. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's it's. I, I think sport is the great leveler of all society. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. You're with Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. Thanks for being with us. We really enjoy your company. I hope you enjoy us. We often say we should uh, uh, let you in on what we talk about in our briefing session when we put the show together. We have a, a one-hour chat uh, to uh, amongst ourselves, working down the list of topics that we could comment on. And I might say that with our one-hour chat, it takes probably about five minutes to get the thing written down on paper, but what goes on between in, in the rest of the 55 minutes is absolute rubbish. I mean, oh, no, it's quite, quite... <laughs> Phil, we get rid of all the rubbish as well, we're well, doing our... You've got to, you've got to work with prep. Philip to understand how the way his mind works. I have to get it out of my system so that we don't end up recording it. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, listener, it's very, very funny. He's got a very funny brain. I wanted to be a comedian, but everybody laughed at the idea. Yeah, yeah that's right. You've used that one before. I'll have to give Probably. you a book with new oh, jokes. Oh, I recycle. I am of this age. You're, you're, yeah. you're, you can't be sold to China then? No. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. No. no, the ultimate recycling, of course, is when there's nothing going to landfill. Mm. That mm. is the measure. Did you call my name? <laughs> nothing going landfill? to landfill. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I get. That's what I mean, listeners. That's what we put up with. Yeah. Someone who we record their death on the 17th of February 1994 was a US author and journalist, Randy Schultz. And he wrote a book, which actually turned into a film as well. And the band played on. Brilliant stuff. And it was a commentary upon the AIDS epidemic that had started being obvious in uh, San Francisco and he was part of the was, the unfolding disaster. Yeah, this is probably right. He made a, a story of the unfolding disaster of, of all the wonderful people that died because of the disease and, and how we still have to keep going rather than giving up. We still have to keep going. It's a wonderful, wonderful book. It's a wonderful play and, and a wonderful movie. And mm. that was when medicine really wasn't helping things at all. There was no armory. There was no uh, AZT against, or any of those. Any and, the, and we've now gone 30 years plus through that process and we're at a stage where there are drugs now that are actually suppressing mm. the AIDS virus yep, yep. and the big ones Trivada and um, the government are now putting that onto the P- PPS for, for, for the people here in Australia which is absolutely wonderful well those that have got HIV are now having it managed to the point where it's actually almost being eliminated from their system well it's undetectable and what this new pill is is to prevent. It's a pre-prevention. Yeah, see, if you're if, a, if you if you're not if you you haven't got if the you're negative, HIV, if you're a negative person, you can take the prep and then you can have ordinary sex with somebody that has got the undetectable viral load and at ninety nine point something or other percent certain that you will not it won't mm. be transferable to you. But um, some people are still saying that uh, condoms should still be used. But I'm, you know, but it's just a wonderful breakthrough. But with this thing, though, I'm sure they'll probably even make it even better. 
but getting back to Mr. Schultz, mm. he has documented a lot of gay history. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the band played on was of the AIDS crisis, but he also wrote The Mayor of Castro Street. That's right. The Life and Times of Harvey Milk. Harvey Milk. Mm-hmm. Which now is a very well-known story, mm-hmm. but it was, I guess, a, a wonderful time to have an openly gay elected politician in yeah. the city of San Francisco. Yeah. And he and Mr. Schultz were very energetic supporters oh. of the community. Oh, yes, hmm. yes. But, Great. um, yeah, so Harvey Milk, as we know now, was assassinated by his political opponent, Mr. No. Dan White, who was not a very nice man, as it turns out. No, he shot the mayor as well. Mm. Yes. But it, 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 Randy Schultz, was a, the, 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 he was very good. But getting away from that, we've also got a couple of other gay people having birthdays as well. Well, let's you know. see. Graham Kennedy, 15th of February, 1934. Mm-hmm. Poor Graham's well and truly gone from this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was a very naughty boy before naughty boys were ever allowed near a microphone. He would have been um, like uh, the, the early Graham Norton. Graham Norton copied yeah. a lot of what... He, I'm sure Graham Norton looked at a lot of Graham Kennedy stuff. But once and again, saw he was pushing the boundaries. Yes. He was certainly doing yeah. that. But yeah. in the early days of television, which is when he mm. sprouted, he gave the, the network the ultimate problem. So he was... Well, no, years before that... Mm. He was playing with the live sponsorship reads, oh, God, yes. having lots of fun with Bert Newton, and you know, buy a twenty-second slot, you can have three minutes of comedy for free. <laughs> That's right, yes. And you know, the networks, the Packers were getting all upset, and Kennedy said, "We well, can fire me, but look at the ratings." That's right. There were so many people watching his. And it was it was hilarious stuff. Yeah. Oh. I was just a kid, but yeah, yeah. We and yeah, him. towards the end, when he was in a very bitter battle with, would have been Sir Frank Packer back yeah. then. Mm. He basically tried to push the boundaries of language on a very conservative television world at the time. Yes. And it didn't come through off. Rosemary Margan's commercials, probably for that hair product, which I can't quite remember, mm-hmm. he would do bird calls and it would vary quite a bit. And then he discovered the crow call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which he pushed and pushed to the point where he was taken off air. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> and all because the poor crow didn't know any better and was saying, Rock, Well, he was saying, Ark. And then one day he mispronounced it. He put an F in front of it. Yeah. But also, Very naughty boy. One of my favourite actors is having a birthday this week too, which is... Who is? Who is a dame... What's her name? Uh, Dame Patricia Patricia Routledge, Hyacinth Bouquet from um, Keeping Up Appearances. Keeping Up Appearances. Now, yes. our Patricia Routledge is uh, a well-known lesbian, mm-hmm. and uh, she has a partner, and she loves play. Well, in that particular Keeping Up Appearances, she loved playing Hyacinth Bouquet because. She detested that sort of person. Mm. Otherwise, she was a realist, uh, whereas um, the character wasn't. Uh, and uh, there she was, a gay person playing a straight person. But a but a poor, misbe- a poor well. misbegotten husband, and, a, a, and we never ever saw the, the the son Tarquin and his boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, there were so many little gay spangles <laughs> oh, in the they, whole. They, thing. they were dropping all over the place. <laughs> but she has she has a great singing voice. She's, yes. she's won a Tony. She won a Tony Award on Broadway for, for The Boyfriend when it took the London production of The Boyfriend to America. 
right. and she won a Tony Award for singing. And that made it very difficult when she sang, and she always sang off key as hyacinth. And, oh. and it's very difficult when you're a trained singer to sing off key, and she always sang off the note in that song. Show. So I'm so confused. She was a lesbian, but she won a Tony for having a boyfriend. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the show is so hard to follow sometimes. <laughs> That's what we talk Thank about, you. listener, when we talk uh, about Phil. Barry Humphreys, 17th of the Tooth, 1934. Yep. Two days after Graham Kennedy, mm-hmm. uh, the born. But Barry Humphreys' character it was Dame Edna Everidge. Well, she was just, She's only just gone into retirement. Mm, but she was only ordinary Mrs. Everidge from Mooney Ponds when he first started Dame Edna in the back of a bus on the way home from one of the shows. Excuse he was doing. me, stop it. He, did it. he made her up in the back of the bus when they were on their <laughs> way. They, he was with the University Union Theatre Company that was travelling around the countryside giving shows and he, they would have to put up with all these afternoon teas and, and suppers and everything and then they'd have to get on the bus and go to the next town where they were going to perform. He made up this thing about Mrs. Everidge from Mooney Ponds, and that's how it developed. Phil, Gordon, it's about time for us to say goodbye. The time is against us again. Well, we've had a lot of fun. I hope you have had listening to us, because we've been giggling and carrying on in this studio like so, you wouldn't believe. All right, we'll see you all again next week. Thanks have very a much wonderful for being one. with us. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with Joy. Joy.